Hello, everyone. Today's live edition of Lockdown Guardians, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, we're going to do a mailbag. We're going to talk about the newest additions to the Guardian system. Remember last year, we thought some insignificant moves uh, were made that ended up coming back to have big ramifications for the Guardians. New coaches, new players, and your questions, all on today's Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Guardians. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Jeff Ellis. Uh, you can find some of my thoughts uh, throughout the day over on my Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. I was primarily, back in the day, a excuse me, prospect and draft writer. Justin? Uh, you can find me still at GuardiansBaseballInsider.com and uh, soon the next year in Cleveland newsletter. So be sure to check that out. Follow I have to remember the Twitter handle. I think it's next year in CLE. It was my that was my old Twitter handle when I first joined Twitter. My Twitter handle was next year in CLE, and a college buddy of mine who who was the sports director at WZIP uh, didn't get to bring up my Zips rebuttal to you yesterday. We talked to Dan, but uh, uh, he's like, "You got to change your Twitter handle, man. It's not professional. Like, next year in Cleveland, it's not professional." And I was like, "All right, all right, fine." So I thought I I changed it, and I'm like, "All right, well, I'm going to use this again now that I'm." Moving on to different ventures. So next year on CLE is the Twitter handle. You can find the newsletter coming in January, but until January, you can find all my stuff at gar- at uh, guardiansbaseballinsider.com. It's crazy to me that someone's going to discuss Twitter etiquette or twi- <laughs> Twitter. Um, right. Yeah. I mean. That was like I, 2012. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. But still, it's just kind of funny to think about that day and age. So should we start with the coaches? Uh Listen, the yeah. Guardians lost a Justin Tool is a I know people are filling that blank in, in the wrong way. Uh, but he was he got a big position uh with the Mariners. He got a massive promotion, uh speaks well to what he did in Cleveland. Jason Esposito is not a surprise replacement for him. I think you and I have both heard a ton of good things about him over the past few years. The fact that he was one of the main people at the alternative site in 2020. Uh a lot of what got done with um players in uh in triple a this past year uh and you know it's always interesting to me how often hitting coaches were unsuccessful hitters like i can remember jason esposito is a second round pick out of uh vanderbilt and i was going to pull up his numbers now because i was like oh i should uh see how bad they were but as a second round pick he did not get very far in the you have to double A for part of a season. Ended his minor league career with a 230, 273, 325, 598 OPS. And uh, very different than his senior year in college with the 340, 403, 530, 933. Uh, that is very common to see that discrepancy. That's that's how big the, the drop is. But yeah, he was a, a seventh round pick out of high school, which is that's pretty significant. That was back when you know you could go over slot a bunch. The teams were trying to sign him. Goes in the second round after three years in one of the premier baseball academies and then is quickly out of baseball. Obviously, if he's hitting the majors as a coach by 32, and that's not to knock him, but isn't it kind of – because, again, you and I have both heard wonderful things. But isn't it interesting how often you know, Chris Valeka was not a good hitter? Like <laughs> Hitting coaches, it's like uh, Eddie, Mur- Eddie Murray was a terrible hitting coach because he never struggled. He never knew how to help people 
where it didn't come naturally. When you've had struggles, it makes you a better teacher. Yeah, what's the saying? Those who can't do teach, right? Like, like you, you of all people should uh, should know that. I guess I don't know if that necessarily applies to the teaching profession, but yeah, I mean, even Barry Bonds. I don't know. The Barry Bonds thing may not be a good example because Barry Bonds is a, a unique character unto himself. So nothing to do with that there. But you're right. Eddie Murray was not a good hitting coach. I don't know if that was because he wasn't a good hitter himself, but uh, or he was a good hitter himself, and or you know just had a hard time. Eddie Murray was not always a very um, Community, yeah, yeah, he wasn't a great communicator and a good person, and always happy to be around people. So, that and, and Barry Bonds was the same way. So, I wonder if it's a personality thing as much as it was a you know, he was a good hitter and just expected guys to be good because that's what he was good at. But no, I mean, that's why you often see a lot of guys who aren't good go into coaching and um, who don't make it in the majors. I think that's pretty obvious. I do think it's interesting though that Esposito, who has rise pretty quickly through the ranks, I mean, he was. He was just in Mahoney Valley. The Mahoney Valley still existed four years ago. So he has moved up pretty pretty quickly uh, year by year. Always heard good things about him and not wasn't surprised at all. I thought that was the middle of sense, but I was surprised. Not surprised, but, uh, you know, Justin Toole was a young coach on the staff as well, and Esposito is 32. So they continue to make sure they're bringing in guys that are young coaches and, I don't know, maybe relatable in age and, I guess you might say too. Young coaches are better at um, having picked up on communicating data and analytics, and how to how to translate that for hitters. You know what I mean? Make it digestible for them to use and um, help them out with. So I wonder if that has something to do with that as well. Because the other guy they brought in, Rigo Beltran, who's been, also been a, a rising guy in the system. He's fifty three. Not that not fifty three is old, but definitely um, not in baseball terms. No, but he is, but he is older than Brian Sweeney. Yeah. Uh, Esposito is is uh, a year younger than me, so that's interesting. But uh, Esposito, uh, there with Brian Shaw gone, he will. Uh, there'll be no one. Uh, if Shaw was there, there'd be players older than Esposito. That's right. There we'll get. I think. I think what Jose Ramirez will be the same age or close to it, maybe thirty-one, a year mm-hmm. younger. I think he's a year younger. I could be wrong. Josh Bell is he close? No, I think he's. I think he's like maybe thirty, thirty-one. I think it's Esposito. Uh, yeah, I just I went and looked at like the team page on uh, Fangraphs, and there wasn't anyone who popped up older than thirty-one. Like Anthony Ghost from a year ago was is the person who'd be older. Let's see, Ramirez yeah, is twenty-nine right. this past year, and so it'll be thirty. Yeah, I got to check it. Josh Bell. Josh Bell's gonna be thirty as well. So that's okay. it. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Youngest Esposito team in baseball. is still older than everybody else. That's good. <laughs> well, I mean, he's still pretty close in age, so he'll be relatable. That's that's always a good thing. And uh, Rigo Beltran will, too. I've heard good things about Rigo Beltran. I enjoyed – I didn't really get to talk to Jason Esposito as much when he was in Lake County, but I did talk to Rigo Beltran. This is years ago because he has moved up. But uh, whether it was at Lake County or Akron, I didn't get to talk to him much in Columbus, obviously. But uh, when he was in Lake County and Akron, always very um, easy to talk to and – um, pretty personable and, and, you know, seem to have the respect of his players and the coaching staff. So I'm not surprised by that hire at all. I, I think it'll be a good fit. And I think it's always good. They stayed in house. I guess I'm, are you surprised that Brian Shaw is not the new bullpen coach though? No, no, he hasn't spent his time yet. And I think he still probably thinks he can play. Uh, I don't think he's ready to give yeah. it up. Uh, just to point out a few kind of fun highlights from Beltran's um, one, uh, while Esposito was not a surprise, I think we were both expecting Beltron to get this position. Like, I think when Sweeney was out, Beltron uh, really stood out as the most likely candidate to jump in 
And I also want to point out he was the pitching coach for uh, Team Mexico in yeah. the 2017 World Baseball Classic and the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. So that's kind of cool. And, Very well respected. Uh, yeah, and I uh, I definitely remember having him on my pitching staff in one of my uh, out-of-the-park leagues back in the day. Uh, okay. So then on top of that, they also added Hassani Torres as the uh, – he's worked out of the Dominican Academy for the last three years – uh, and he is going to be the assistant strength and conditioning coach because Nelson Perez, who had that job, was hired to be the um, the major league strength and conditioning coach of the Tigers. So the Tigers rated him for strength and conditioning coach. The Royals rated him for a pitching coach and the Mariners rated them for a director of player development. Like, I mean, they got <laughs> they got pretty significantly hit. Um, and he has a bachelor's degree in athletic training from the University of Puerto Rico and a master's from the uh, which this one threw me when I read it a master's uh, in exercise science from California university of Pennsylvania. Yeah. I, I was not familiar with that as well as a graduate certificate in performance analysis from the Australian Catholic university. Um, as well I am, I am not sure if those are not made up. Uh, no, I know they're not. I'm teasing, <laughs> but um, I would just double check. This is not a Sid Finch situation with when you read those last two lines, I'm merely kidding. I am everyone they hire. They do do diligence on there's a reason why they have become the farm system for management coaching and everything else right um these I'm are surprised fantastic. i didn't give up more yet yeah I'm surprised it's a shame like that that would be the way this team could really dominate was if it was like the uh the nfl where like i, I know it's only when it's a, a minority candidate is hired from your system you get bonus draft picks but imagine if the loss of uh the loss of coaching and or management resulted in bonus picks what a what a crazy world it would be for a team that has <laughs> provided uh, one tenth of the pitching coaches in the league over the last three years. Uh, why don't we take break number one here? Come back and then talk. Cleveland added a pair of players, one of which, uh, you know, not to toot my own horn too much, I mentioned on this very show. Uh, what a week ago to the day this one's going to come, wasn't it? Last Thursday, it was the same. Uh, a week after the name comes up. The Guardians announced the addition, so that's kind of funny. But first, a quick message from one of our fantastic sponsors. And that first sponsor are our good friends over at Bet Online. And you know what? I just got an email from Bet Online today. Let's talk about they have changed their odds after the Correa signing. We'll talk a little Correa today on the show. Uh, World Series odds. Houston Astros are still the favorite at uh, 25 to 4, which is plus 625. But the New York Mets have moved to number two at 7 to 1 odds. Dodgers and Yankees are tied for third at 15 to 2, which is plus 750. Then you got the Braves and the Padres at 10 to 1. Phillies at 12 to 1. Where is Cleveland? Cleveland is down there at 33 to 1, which feels a little bit disrespectful to me just because the San Francisco Giants and the Texas Rangers are also 33 to 1. Really? Oh. Both those teams? I mean, that's. Uh, the White Sox have better odds at 25 to 1. <clears throat> Bet Online doesn't believe in Cleveland, but we believe in Bet Online. Uh, and hey, maybe it's a chance to make yourself some money, right? Go check it out for yourself today. Head over to our good friends at Bet Online. Uh, they've got you covered. Get in the game, whatever. Our, uh, <clears throat> no, it's get in the game is our current one. Um, but they also have you covered. One of those things is, is not like the other. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah i guess i mean they've got your bet covered you don't have to worry about that with them they're re reliable um I, <laughs> listen i love them they sponsor us 
no one take anything as, as a negative there. I'm just going to state that. Now, um, let's go ahead and jump into the next part, which is the Guardians apparently like the name Caleb and like Caleb's who played for San Francisco or were at least drafted by San Francisco. Uh, a week ago on this show, you if you go back and listen to the Tim Heron interview, I pointed out that when Tim uh, was at Indiana, there was four, maybe five pitchers who made the big leagues. And how unusual that is for a Big Ten school to do that. Well, they added one of them today in Ke- Caleb Berenger, and they also added Caleb Simpson. Uh, I thought there's a lot of fascinating things about both these guys. I know the first look is big. One's 28 and the other's 31. Why are they adding them as non-roster invites? One, depth is always a good thing. You always need depth. Uh, two, they have some interesting um, factors. That's not traits. That's where I was going for traits in their favor. Uh, do you want to talk about uh, Beringer's trait, or do you want to talk about Simpson's trait? Uh, let's go with Beringer first, because Beringer has a little bit of major league experience, and some of it is actually good. Uh, unlike Simpson, although well, Simpson has no major league experience, but the experience from Beringer is, is a lot better. And uh, yeah, he's the one that played with Tim Harris. So he might as well bring that one up first. So he is a lefty with a huge amount of vertical vertical break on his pitches. Uh, that is what goes on here. He doesn't have great velocity. He doesn't have anything else. At points in San Francisco, he's been an effective left-handed reliever. The past two years, he's generated positive. I'm sorry. Uh, last year, he didn't get to the big leagues. But in 2020 and 2021, he generated positive war. And, you know, through his major league career, he's got a 417 FIP, a 2738 ERA, a K per nine of 695, a walks per nine of 338. Uh, uh, he's an effective lefty. He would already be on a roster if Lugie still existed. I, I firmly believe that. That He's got, like I said, 21, 22-inch vertical break on his fastball. It's a ton of movement. Uh, he's a great weapon against lefties. But Although, ironically, in 2021 lefties had much better success against him. Uh, he did better against right-handers in 2021. You know, well, <laughs> I'm curious to see once we get, you know, again, maybe I'm like the person who's like small sample size. Cause it doesn't agree with me, but Hey, maybe that's why the guardians uh, also like went for him. Right. There's yeah. some chances for him to perform, uh, to get some opportunities and, and they need, they need some depth. You know, we, we've talked about Tanner Tully has moved on. Uh, Kirk McCarty went to Korea. They had a lot of the up, I, I believe Ian Hamilton, who they acquired in that trade also moved on. Like they need, they need upper minors depth guys and Beringer is potentially useful. And yeah, he's had some solid performances. Maybe they can help him find another gear like San Francisco um, in Arizona Logan is it Logan Webb is the pitcher and Ryan Webb's the Guardians one Logan Webb's the Giants but like outside of him it's not like the Giants have been great they've had some reclamation projects but they haven't really developed and we'll see about Kyle Harrison like you know he is the the that is a team that is not drafted well not developed well uh Patrick Bailey Joey Bart one can make a case over the last Hunter Bishop over the last seven years they maybe have the worst first round track record in baseball um their development is, I mean, go look at that team. It is not a team built internally. <laughs> and the one Pitching year they wise, make the playoffs. Wise, they do have Camilo Duvall. That's a good story for them. Yeah, but I mean, it's, uh, you know, there, there's basically, this is my long way of saying, there's a chance maybe the Guardians think there could be more here. The The Giants are not, 
a a powerhouse. Yeah, is is um, is Bargar Berger the 2023 Aniel De Los Santos? That, that's the question. Could yeah. be. That's the first time that the first guy they they grabbed so far in the minor league free agent market in terms of pitching. So you never know. I mean, I would I would like to see if they do have a spot open among relievers. I mean, we have no idea if they're going to have Cody Morris. Um, will Tim Heron get a shot? Will they keep, keep him in AAA as depth since he's on the 40? Um, the issue really is creating a 40-man spot for any of these guys. Like, that's that's what you have to wonder. Like, if they feel like Berger can help them, how in the world? I don't even know they're going to create a 40-man spot for Mabry's Valoria if they feel like, or or any other backup catcher for that matter, if they feel like they need a backup that's not Bo Naylor for Mike Zanino for the first half of the season. So that's going to be interesting. And if you're if you're watching us live, by the way, feel free to drop any comments and ask any questions because our third segment will be all yeah. mailbag and, and I, I accidentally clicked the thing. If you're curious what, what that was, that was StreamYard and me like trying to move things around and clicking on the little live viewer comments. This is an example. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, he's you know there's some performance. Our other Caleb, Caleb Simpson, is fascinating in his own regard. He was a college catcher at Seminole State, so maybe they're bringing him in to be a catcher. That's uh, he was converted by San Francisco from catcher to starter. Uh, he is 31 years of age. He has had four. He's had lat surgery, Tommy John surgery, slip disc and a late and labrum surgery. This dude has been beat up. He's switched positions. He's also hit 100 miles an hour. Um, he's a one pitch pony and he's not always been very effective with that. Uh, but again, uh, let's see, he was at the Cubs camp. So he's with the Giants, tons of injuries, takes him forever due to injuries. Then he was a non-roster invitee with the Cubs. So he's been, you know, done this before, ends up with Boston the past few years. Um, again, you know, Boston's developmental system for pitching. And, and we talked about the Giants. It's been so maybe there's a chance for more. Maybe there's something they see and like, or maybe it's just a depth arm. Uh, but it's uh he's uh, it, I will say with both of these Caleb's, at least they're interesting. Good size. I mean, six four, two thirty. That's yeah, and it's a lot of velocity. We'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, control has not been his thing, and health has not been his thing. Doesn't appear to have any any real secondaries that stand out. But he throws hard, and uh, we'll see if Cleveland feels like they get something else out of there. But like you said, at least it's AAA depth for now. Or maybe they just need guys in in camp that that are going to fill it out so they don't overwork any of their pitchers that they you know, are going to be on the 40 or anybody else. Like can't be overworking the Cody Morris's and the Nick Sandlin's and the um, Logan Allen's or the Gavin Williams is, you know, you want to make sure they don't extend, extend themselves too far in spring training. Yeah. Especially with the world baseball classic and potentially some more arms being out. Um, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how this works. Uh, basically Caleb Simpson looks like a converted catcher. Like that's, that's, he's, unfortunately for him, uh, the, the secondaries just haven't been there enough. Um, and again, I think, you know, injuries got in the way of development. He is, he's the rawest 31 year old you're ever going to meet. Um, in terms I mean, of Anthony, pitching, Anthony goes, <laughs> I would, yeah, I would argue, I mean, maybe that's what they're thinking. Like maybe this guy yeah. is, is in that area of it. Um, but let's take our next break. We're going to come back, uh, maybe talk Correa, you know, uh, a few weeks ago on the show, I mentioned Eduardo Escobar. I mean, he is probably on the block right now. Uh, so we might discuss that as well as taking your questions. 
on today's episode of Locked on Guardians. But first, as mentioned, sponsor breakage. <clears throat> Got to clear my throat. And I'm sure. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, I just realized what I did on a mic, and that is awful. And I apologize. I was trying to clear my throat to do my dramatic read here. Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. And that means driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you're wrong. Listen, everyone knows when you're high. Let's be honest. You've never been in a room with someone who was high and didn't know it. Uh, your friends can tell. Your coworkers can tell. Even your parents can tell. Everyone can tell. So what makes you think law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by the NHTSA. Mailbag. All right. Uh, Let's, uh, what do you want to start with? You want to start the longest question? I got two more since I retweeted it. So uh, we got five five total sitting here. Um, All right. I don't know. Do you want me to dive through the new ones? Yeah, let's see. I haven't seen those. So I can, you can spring those on me as a surprise if you like to do. Uh, Why does Justin hate the guard? No, I'm kidding. Hmm. Why does Justin hate eggnog? It's not good. That's that's <laughs> why I hate it. I don't know. It's I was very I, tempted. I, I, I almost came down here with like a bottle. I was just gonna just sit here and sip it throughout the show, just a whole like see <laughs> how long. It's a, it's, a, I, it's a very heavy drink that tastes like a I lot. Know. I like heavy drinks. Eggs. I yeah. This is why I don't drink like porters or stouts when it comes to beer, and this is why I don't like I, I don't like mixing dairy and alcohol. Not that eggnog has to have alcohol in it, but I don't no, like mixing. No, I'm mostly a teetotaler, so mine's not. I'm, I'm a sugar addict, not a... Yeah, uh, I don't know. There's just It's too heavy. It's just too I, heavy for me. I leave, I leave the alcohol to my relatives. Uh, <laughs> hopefully none are watching. Um, <laughs> so our real question, uh, I almost responded to this one because I like, I, I'm just so like gunned in and ready to respond to these. Why did a team oh who values contact skills more than anything else sign Mike Zanino? Well, they're willing to put up with the strikeout rate if you provide defense, as they've shown. Austin Hedges, that wasn't an issue. Um, well, Stroud doesn't strike out a lot. But, I mean, if you provide defensive value, they'll put up with it, at least at one position. And we know that they're putting – they value the defense, so – I don't know. Everybody, nobody, and nobody else on the team strikes out like that. So it's, it's, uh, you know, it's it's a lineup that can stand to handle a little more strikeouts for a little more tr- trade off of power. And also, I don't know what Sean Murphy's strikeout rate was. I, I can't imagine it was too bad. Not as bad as Zanino's. Um, you know, Zanino was Plan B, so they were definitely gunning for for Sean Murphy, and it didn't work out. But. Um, it's a lineup that could still handle it from one spot. And if they're, if you're getting, I don't know, they, they evaluate catching differently than every other, every other position. So that's why 
the defense comes first and everything else is secondary. So uh just want to quickly say thanks to Derpy501 first who's commenting, and that was from at Jack Powers22. Bottom line, uh he's an equal defender, maybe better if all you know if he's healthy. And he strikes out 7% more while providing potentially twice the offense. Mm. Uh, And the catching market is awful. If you get right down to it, you know, it's like there's a reason why, like, they didn't want Vasquez when uh, Omar Navarez, when he went, uh, you know, Danny Jansen, I think was too expensive. And Alejandro Kirk isn't really a catcher. Like, he's not going to stay at that position. They were very limited with their choices. So, yeah, it's he was the best of what was there. Uh, When will at from Silencio Bob at DR Wepler, Cleveland. When will Rocchio reach the majors and play next to Jimenez, creating a dominant middle infield? I'll, I'll go first and say he won't. He'll be traded. Um, I I think I think he is their primary trade piece. I think eventually at some point he's going to get moved. I think he is the guy they feel most comfortable moving because I think they think that Jimenez and Angel Martinez might be the up the middle of the future. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, also, because they're going to sign Ed Rosario to a uh, eight-year, two hundred million dollar extension this offseason. Obviously, that's how shortstop the shortstops are going, and they clearly don't want to get rid of Med Rosario. So, uh, Med Rosario's not going anywhere. Unfortunately, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be true or not. We, we don't want to start any rumors. Yeah, but, no, uh, R- Rosario's <laughs> I think going to finish the year with this team unless a trade comes out of nowhere. So, Rocchio is yeah. stuck. He's buried and. You know, when you look He's, at what was talked about for Murphy, they were like, okay, we're not trading the big three arms. We're not trading Valera. They weren't trading Naylor. The only like blue chipish type of guy left is Rokio. So it's clear they were pushing Rokio in that deal. There's no one else who even qualifies. He he still needs some seizing in AAA anyway, because yeah. it's not like it's not like he's been banging on the door for a year and they just don't was have it? room for him. He's he just got the AAA last season and he was working on some swing changes too. So he had kind of a rough year because he was working through some stuff. Um, so he still needs the whole year triple a anyway, truthfully. I, I mean, I, not that I don't think he could handle it, but I also do worry about, like I said before, I do worry about there being some Ahmed Rosario to his game. I think he'll, cause like I said, Ahmed Rosario was a highly rated defender by most scouting outlets. And he has obviously not turned into a plus defender. He's mostly been a average or worse. And offensively he hasn't quite panned out like everybody thought and and i think rokio has you know some similar aggression type approach and he is a switch hitter but I, I, there's some similarities there so i could see them moving him for sure i do personally like angel martinez better than rokio maybe maybe not i'm i'm close to th- feeling that way though i will say I like the bat more, and I think the overall fit in cleveland for angel is better long term because Jimenez can play either spot um yeah but i think, I think martinez's defensive ability I, I, and you've made some good points on that um, throughout that why it could work out. But I think, um, I don't know. Like I said, I th- it's, very, it's closer than I think a lot of us probably thought it would be in July between those players. We do have a yeah. chat question, so I'm going to throw that up in here. Uh, do you think they we make more moves in free agency, maybe legit right fielder or veteran pitching for the pen? Um, no, I, I, I don't. Um we're seeing teams kind of pick around the carcass right now of free agency. And I think they are content. I think Gonzalez and Brennan are the plan. And I mean, they, they've multiple times talked about playing Naylor in right field. So they're moving forward with what they have in right, right field. They're not chasing any outfielders. 
potentially a veteran pen arm, but I more see something like Shaw as a non-roster invitee. I think they might bring in some vets on non-roster invitees beyond who we've already talked about. Like these are the players who are willing to sign now. We'll see some non-roster invitees closer, but I think I think this is the roster they got. And as we've talked about many times on the show, um, there's not a great trade market right now, and it's probably going to take till midseason when teams fall out of it. So I think I think this is the Guardians team you have. Yeah, I agree. And they're not going to sign a major league free agent as a reliever. They just don't do that as a rule. It's uh, it's always a risky proposition. Like we said, Boone Logan was the last one. Well, okay, if we don't count Brian Shaw, Boone Logan was the last one, and it was a disaster, right? So um, they just don't do that. I was so that. excited and, for that edition. I, like, oh, that pen I, is going to make this pen. Uh, I mean, Fulmer's interesting. I think Fulmer's going to get paid, and Cleveland's not going to pay him. I like Fulmer, and I like Andrew yeah. Schaefer. I'm not saying they wouldn't be good fits. It's just this team does not sign – major league relief free agents. They just never have. It is a big risk. There's a reason why it costs so much and it's always a risk, but I've been saying they need to add another relief arm. I know, like I said, these are young pitchers in the bullpen. Uh, Bullpens are volatile no matter what age, anything could happen. You remember the 2005 bullpen for the, for the uh, Glenn Cleveland Indians. They had Arthur Rhodes and Bob Wickman, Rafi Wright, Rafi left. They had Bob Howry, great bullpen, right? Yep, Bob Howry turned into a comp pick. He was so yeah, good that and year. Then, but the next year, almost everybody comes back except for Bob Howry because he moves <laughs> on to the Red Sox, I believe. Um, the bullpen was terrible. You know, anything could happen with that stuff. You just never know. So I, I do think they could use another reliever. I just don't think it's going to come from free agency. Uh, the price has to be really good. And again, there's no roster fodder, Jeff. There's no roster fodder. They can't make room. Um but I, I would say they'll probably I – w- I wouldn't rule out adding another catcher somewhere, whether that's a major league deal or a minor league deal. I think they're still shopping for a backup yes. catcher. I agree with you there. Uh, Bob Howery came from Boston. He left via the uh, Cubs. We have more questions mm. to take. We um, – no, there's no way they're going to take uh, one more thing in here before we take our break and come back and continue Ooh. on the YouTube side of it. Uh, they're not taking Chapman. They don't, they don't, they don't go with those types. I mean – Puig was about as controversial as they've taken in the last 10 years. And he didn't even have like, at that point it was mostly like, Oh, he's a bad teammate. Like that was before everything else was a Puig came out. And yes, issues with Trevor Bauer is here. came out later issues with Callaway came out later, uh, but they're not going to, no, they're not going to take someone who's already got the dirt on, on them. They didn't want Chapman in 2016 when they were, when they were sniffing around for relief, relief help at the, at the deadline, and they got Andrew Miller. They were not talking about Chapman at all. They were, I mean, there was reports they were like calling, but they were definitely not interested. So uh, no, that will not be happening. Yeah, we're going to take a break. We still got a few more questions and the Crea situation. Not a break. We're going to end the audio. You can jump over to the YouTube and continue the party. Party, obviously, since we're doing a live stream, is going to continue here as well. Uh, and Hey, uh, you're going to get to watch most of this without dropping ads because with the live uh, stream, we found some some things. Maybe we'll discuss that in, in the bonus ex- uh, part of the show. But thank you all for listening, rating and reviewing, downloading. It helps. We're taking off Friday and likely Monday uh, as well. Giving ourselves some time with the holidays. I hope everyone else enjoys theirs. I might throw up some shorts here or there um, because those are short. 
But uh, if anything happens, we will, of course, convene an emergency as best we can session and figure it out. But thank you all for listening, rating and reviewing. Uh, we are, in terms of our overall YouTube count, uh, we are inching higher, 1,141. Uh, so thank you, thank you all. Remember to rate and review. And uh, you can now follow, I guess, on iTunes, so do that as well. And go, go, Guardians, go.